Uh, today, our message is going to be on holiness. Holiness, our wardrobe. I like making sermon titles. It's a lot of fun. You like doing that, Brian? Make sermon titles? Uh, there's a lot of work after that, but I could just sit and make sermon titles. and you know, Ah, that'd be good. That'd be good, you know. But when I thought of this, His Holiness, our wardrobe, I thought of all the things that we know that the Lord has done for us, but His Holiness is not ever going to change. It's not ever going to leave. It's going to be the way it was from the beginning it's to, to the continuation of time. His Holiness is always going to be His Holiness. It's going to always be the same. And the... The beauty of it is now that is our wardrobe as believers in Jesus. This is what he gives us. So this is we, what we wear now. We wear his holiness. We are his holiness. So <clears throat> what are some of the common thoughts on holiness? You know, uh, I, I wrote some of them down. Actually, when, I, when this title came up, I, I, uh, it isn't something I really wanted to talk about because, I, you know, when you think about holiness, you just kind of come up short on a few things. Like, uh, really? You know, I'll just leave that to him. I'll let him be holy. But when you start applying it to me, this is a little bit different. So here I wrote some of the common thoughts uh, that I, I that kind of come up. Fear of his holiness. We feel condemned because he's holy, guilty, unworthy, something that's never attainable. Nobody's perfect. We're only human. How many times have we put that stamp on us? You know, Strict living, serious, no enjoyment, no joy, no happiness, pointing out faults to others. Sometimes that's how holiness is presented to us, or so, sometimes we even think about it that way. Uh, the last part of May, when we were finish, finishing up our Sunday, our adult Sunday school class, then I asked the class if they would just write out. We handed out we handed out some little pieces of paper, and I asked if you would just write down your just a quick concept of holiness. Some of you are here, and I apologize to you, some of you that wrote them down, because I said we're going to read them in two weeks. Ben Goodman was coming the next uh, Sunday, and then after that, we were going to. Uh, we'll read them out, but it turned out that was when Ben Goodman was here, that was the end of it. So uh, we didn't have a chance to read them. So <clears throat> I, uh, I really appreciated everyone feeling, uh, you know, writing something down. And I, so I saved them, and here they are. One is, uh, what's your description of holiness? One is we're blessed with God's help, peace with God. When God implants in me, through Jesus, his characteristic. Yeah, I like that one. Holiness, the character of Jesus. I should have had these analyzed, see whose handwriting this was. See. To me, it's peace and faith, the faith of God, the glory of God, um, presence of God living in us, wisdom of God that he gives us. That is good. That must have got a theologian here. Definition of holiness, be as clean living in speech and actions as possible as you can be. Having a mind and walk that emulates Jesus, filled with the fruits of the Spirit. Being a uh, devout Christian and having God above all others. Uh, 
Holiness is a peaceful blessing. Holiness, belief and hope in action. Holiness, God is holy. Perfection, how God sees us through Jesus. About done here. As confirming the likeness and the ways of God in us, reflecting his nature. This person had a little more to write about. The process of um, confirming to the likeness and ways of God. I think that was my wife. The process of emulating the character of the Father in heart, mind, and deed. We are the capacity, we have the capacity for this as image bears through his grace. That's beautiful. Holiness is nothing other than being set apart. Holiness, godliness, the complete wholeness and fullness of Christ's uh, character and complete obedience to the Father. Now I would imagine that a lot of those would have been answers that you gave. And you know what I was looking for? And I don't know if I would have wrote them down either, but what I was really looking for was pure joy or pure happiness. It somehow escapes us, doesn't it? I mean, this is, I, I, I love this bunch that comes in on Sunday morning and, you know, we share and stuff. And I don't know if I'd have wrote, I don't know if I'd have wrote that down. I mean, but that's what, that's what it did. And we read that scripture in Isaiah 35, how joy will overcome them. When we're, when we're going to be in the presence of God forever, uh, thank God we'll be spirits because flesh will just melt. His, his holiness is that good. All right, well, here's a declaration. Here's what the Bible says about holiness. The first pretty one, 15 through 16, it says, But he, has, he who has called you is holy. You also shall be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Matthew 5, 48 says, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And, you know, we, we say, okay, well, you know, holy, holy, that's one thing. But being perfect, that's another. No, not really. It's the same thing. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 7, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Somehow, you know, the grace message or hyper grace message or however you want to put it, the grace message is old. That's been around forever. But the grace of God uh, somehow has been, has, it's been presented as such a beautiful thing that somehow, and even back when Paul was saying this, somehow the grace of God, we can just let loose. I mean, we can just, hey, cut loose because we're covered. The sins, of, the, the sins are all covered by the blood. We're all taken care of. Uh, no problem. And we, and we loosen up. And, and it just seemed like holiness kind of slept, you know, was swept under the, under the rug or slept out the door or something, you know. But it, it, it seems like every move of God, something is presented and then something else kind of drops off. It's something like we have to always just, just keep up. But it's not that at all. Paul said, just because of the grace of God that you can go on sinning. He said, no, never me. It never, never would be that. God forbid. And this verse in 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, he didn't call us to uncleanliness. His grace and mercy saved us, but he called us to holiness. Genesis 17, 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. So there's another word, blameless. Uh, uh, perfect and holy. 
Leviticus 11.45. Now, way back when he was dealing with the nation of Israel, uh, he was preparing to, to give the law. Uh, he says, for I, the Lord, I am the, the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. So this is his intent all along. When he made, uh, when he created Adam and Eve, they were holy. They were holy people. They were sinless. They didn't know about sin. They didn't know anything about sin until he told them. You know, he said, there, "That tree over there, tree of good and evil. Stay away from it. Don't even, don't even go near it. Don't eat off the fruit of it. Don't even touch it. Just stay away from it." Of course, man's given a free choice. So what does he? Do? You know, it, he was deceived and. Uh, she brought Adam to it, and they both sinned and fell, and then all destruction came, you know, into mankind. But originally, Adam and Eve were holy. They were holy. That's what he wanted. That's the way he wanted it. When he makes things, he makes them good. So what does holiness actually look like? How do we describe holiness? So what would we use to describe words we describe? We could say purity. We could say spotless, without blemish, pure light. Never changing, we know he never changes. Unapproachable light, glory beyond our comprehension. In fact, he will be the only light needed in the new Jerusalem. He'll be the only light. We don't need any electricity. He is the light. And Jesus kind of snuck that in there when he was walking on earth. He says, I am the light of the world. I think little did we know, or we know now, or back then, little did know that he is going to light up the new Jerusalem. He is going to light up the new world that we're going to live in as believers. He is going to be the only, only light. Pure pleasure, joy and happiness to be in his holy presence, excellence, perfection. I think of the angels and those in heaven singing, never quitting. Holy, 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 holy. Now, if you look at that in your flesh, at least I have, I thought, are you kidding uh, you know, I, I like praise and worship, but okay, we're done, right? Well, no, 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 we're going to keep going because I think it says absolute pure pleasure, 100% pure, pure pleasure. This is what we're looking for. This is what we need. This is what we have in Jesus right now, in the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at some reaction to his holiness. One was fear. The nation of Israel, in Exodus 19 and 20, <clears throat> this is just before, in, in Exodus 19, he was gathering the nation of Israel to the mountain. And he says, I'm going to appear to you. You know, back then, he had to have sacred spaces where he showed up. He couldn't just come up on the scene. He had to have, remember when they built the tabernacle, they had, okay, you have the, the holy place, or the you know, have the outer, the the outer uh, altar, and then you go into the the holy place and the most holy place. That's where his presence dwelt. And another time, in going to uh, Exodus nineteen here, he was uh, on the mountain. He said, "I'm going to appear on this mountain. I'm going to be there." But when you come to that mountain, I don't want anybody touching the mountain. They're going to die, whether it's a, a animal or a person. They're, they're, they'll be dead. This is a holy mountain. They were not holy. This is his holiness. See? So there it is. We see lightning, smoke, loud trumpet, loud voice, 
Uh, the Bible says even Moses trembled with fear. I, and they said, we don't want to hear that voice anymore. We're, we don't want to hear that. There's shock and awe here. So that's what his holiness done. That's what it does. They were an unclean people that time, although he had his you know, favor with them, took them out of the land of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and so on and so forth. So we see with fear, the fear. And we also we see in Isaiah chapter 6 where um, Isaiah had this open vision. And he said, in the, in, the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in his, in his, uh, in his throne. And uh, it was a smoke and the place shook and everything. And, and he's seeing this open vision just like he's there. And his first reaction is, oh, I'm a, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live with a bunch of people that are unclean also. I'm unclean. So, I mean, that was his first reaction. Oh, the holiness of God. So what else does his holiness look like? Another one that his holiness has displayed is anger. Now, his anger, when when we see the anger of the Lord, what is it against? It's against sin and Satan. It's against what he had originally started with in the garden. I am against that. My anger is going to be flushed up against that. I'm always going to come up against sin, and I'm always going to come up against Satan. The same way with wrath. The consequences against against sin and Satan. His wrath, we haven't seen nothing yet. Not for believers, but for unbelievers. We know the teaching about the rapture of the church, the calling up of the church. He's calling his saints up. And it will be a wrath like the world has never seen. And that wrath is because of sin and it's because of Satan. Also, we see jealousy. And we say jealousy, jealousy in God. Well, his, uh, the English language does not do well with the word jealousy. Jealousy to us is, is like... Uh, uh, almost like like coveting or um, uh, envious, those sort of those those sort of things. Envy, they're not good. They're they're fruits of the flesh, really. But in this case, our English language doesn't help us out with the word jealous. His jealousy really is his desire for us not to be taken in by sin and Satan. That's what his jealousy does. It would be like it would be like. If I'm jealous for my wife, I, I don't want to share her with anybody. I, I, she's my wife. And that's the way the Lord looks at his people. So he's jealous. I'm jealous. I'm jealous for my children. I'm jealous for my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I'm jealous for them because I want to protect them, and I don't want them deceived. That's the jealousy that God has. <clears throat> and also a consuming fire. In Hebrews 12, it describes... His command that he's going to have over an unshakable kingdom. Remember, his kingdom is going to be unshakable. Holiness is strong. Holiness is not ever going to be defeated. Never. It's going to reign and reign forever. And sin will not rule, and all sin will be eliminated and destroyed and dealt with. So we see that he is a consuming fire. That he is going to consume all our enemies. And he's going to avenge us. Also in justice, he takes vengeance on those who have wronged us and harmed anyone that has harmed or obstructed or ignored the Bible and the gospel of grace. 
His wrath is going to come on them, and his justice is going to come on them. There is no sin that will not escape his justice. That would, be, that would mean any sin that I have committed or you have committed, it will be dealt with. It will be dealt with, sin will be dealt with, his justice will be dealt with by the sin of anyone ever committed in this world. If it's not covered by the blood, if it's covered by the blood, it's forgotten. Our sins are forgotten. If they're not, he remembers them and he will deal with them. Anytime that you have ever been dealt with unfairly, he will deal with that very fairly. All the injustices that we see, you know, back last summer when we had all these riots and things like that, you know, they said it was a 72-year-old black policeman. I think it was Louisville. I'm not sure. There were so many of these these deaths. And somebody just point blank shot him because he was, he was a retired policeman actually helping someone save his building that was being ravaged by looters. St. Louis. Someone say that? Okay. That, that's a tragedy. That's horrible. That's wrong. Did he get away with it? I, I don't know if the man was ever caught. I don't know. I, there are many other things that have happened like that. They were never caught. They're scot-free. No, they're not. If they don't have that covered by the blood of Jesus, they're going to be dealt with. And so in the holiness of God, we also see the justice of God. I want his justice. Jesus took everything that I ever did wrong or you ever did wrong, and that's why he was on the cross, and that's why he was whipped, and that's why he was, that's why he was scorned. That's why he took that huge punishment. That was us. They are all covered. All those sins are covered. Now, so in the holiness of God, we look at we look at look at the pursuit of God. We see here in Hebrews twelve fourteen, it says, "Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord." No one is going to sneak into the kingdom of heaven. Nobody. You know, when you go into a hospital or a clinic or something today, you know, they, they scan you and ask you all these questions, and, and then they let you in. Well, I, I guess they, they let most of you in, unless something's wrong. It ain't, going to be that, it ain't going to be that way. He's going to see clear through us if we've been born again and dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we can pursue. We have the ability, and it is attainable. Holiness is attainable. We're going to see this. In Titus 2, 11 through 13, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that <coughs> denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's going to be no boasting about this. There's going to be no, no, uh, nothing that we can boast of of ourselves. It's a pure gift, a 100% gift. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 10, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. You and I are his workmanship. That means he has, he has his hands on us. He is doing something with us. He's doing something with us today. Right now, he's doing something with us today. His Holy Spirit is involved in us right now. We just need the consciousness of it. Just the same we need the consciousness of, of me being holy. Someone comes up to you, are you a holy person? I'm learning now to say, yes, I am. Because the Bible says I am. If you want to look at my past or a stupid comment I made uh, five minutes ago, uh, no, I, 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 he covers that. I, I'm holy. Maybe I'm ahead of myself here a little bit. Uh, his, his hands are on it. It's kind of like, who, who's Pinocchio's Geppetto? Is that it? Pinocchio's, all right. He's working on us, laying in the little workshop there. He's working on us. <clears throat> now, this one, this, this verse here, uh, or this section of Scripture, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, uh, it's been used many times. It's it's a uh, a good description of not only what we have, but our steps, actual steps here. As his divine power has given to us all things. It's been given. All things. All things that pertain to life and godliness or holiness. And when he says all things, that means there's a completeness. There's a completeness that's been given to us. And anything that pertains to godliness holiness. Through how the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we've been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. That, those words that Peter used there, exceeding great and precious promises, he's had a revelation of that. And he's trying to explain that to us in simple words. And the only way we're going to get something out of that is just through spending time in the word and, re- and get the revelation of what he's talking about here. His great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. What's the divine nature? Holiness. Holiness. <clears throat> Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason. Now, because of what you have been given, freely been given for everything to obtain the divine nature. Here's what he, here's what he says. Give all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. In other words, that's just plain plain goodness. To virtue, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. <clears throat> and if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. That's an amazing statement because if, if we forget that our sins have been forgiven, all kinds of things get let loose in our life that make it more complicated. We have to go back and we have to see the cross. We have to see he forgave me. After that, I might still be a complete dirtbag. I mean, I, I don't understand nothing, but I know he died for me. So you have to start there. That's the starting point. So he says, if you forget that, all these other things are, are they're going to, they're, they're not going to be understandable. You're not going to be able to to work on brotherly kindness or virtue or anything like that because you, you forgot the, the primary thing, which was your sins have been forgiven. 
And he says, you become blind and, and you, you, you become useless in the things of God. <clears throat> Therefore, brethren, because of all this, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Everyone in here is hearing the word of God and has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior is called. You've been called and you've been elected. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Don't you like that? Don't you like that promise? I'll never stumble. You can walk out of here today and say, you know what? I, I never have to stumble. I never have to stumble again. Never. So for an entrance uh, will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I can't get this out of my mind. Every time we read the scripture, we used to use it in Bible study. We'd have somebody in the outer room, put them in the room there, and just say, just stay there. We don't knock on the door. You come on in. And we just, everybody yells and cheers, you know. That's what it's going to be like when you come into the kingdom of heaven. There he is. Yay! You know, I, you know like if you're going to the podium, you got first place in uh, high hurdles or something like that. Hey! Sit on, stand on the podium, you know. I think this is going to be great. I think, I think, here's Alan Ward coming in. Somebody's going to say, you mean he made it? Seriously? <laughs> no. No, here comes Alan Ward. Really? All right. Yay! He looks like Jesus. He's a saint. His spirit is just like Jesus. Yay! His entrance into the kingdom. Yay! You know. Rides his Harley in, you know. It's a, yeah, look at that bike. <laughs> Anyway, why do I do that to you, Alan? Your brother. <laughs> Love you. All right. So we can see what holiness is not. It's me trying to be good. Every religion has this theme in it. I have to get better. Every one of them. Christianity has been accused of, you better clean up because you're sinful and you're guilty. Well, we have to know that we have sinned against a holy God. But that knowledge comes also with the knowledge of his grace that has saved us. So every religion, you have something you're trying to be good or trying to better yourself. Holiness is not willpower. You cannot will yourself to be holy. Holiness is not being above or better than anyone else. Holiness is definitely not a work of the flesh. That was proved with the law that the nation of Israel could not do it with the law. And behavior modification, modification. If I just quit this, if I quit smoking, and if I quit drinking, and if I start uh, uh, picking up people from the hospital, this will create holiness for me. No, no, that's, that would be self-righteousness. That would not be the holiness that we're talking about here. What holiness is, though, is the fruit of our faith in Christ. When we honor God and accept his son as our sacrifice, as our Lord and Savior, that's a fruit. He is the actual root. Jesus himself is the root. The byproduct of our relationship with Christ is what holiness is. And the life of Christ living in and through me in Galatians 2.20, that is holiness. And the result of yielding to Jesus... This might, this might sound real simple here in, in this group, yielding to Jesus. Most of the world doesn't yield to Jesus. Most of the world yields to either their flesh or another God. 
And that number is increasing. Not only statistics, statistics, yeah, try that. <laughs> Not only do statistics say that, but the Bible says that, that in the latter times, troubled times will come. People will be lovers of self, haters of God, so on and so forth. So the result of yielding to Jesus is holiness in us. So we can look now at the achievement. Now we're made holy. If I say all this today, and this escapes you, this, this, would be a, this would be a missed opportunity for us. We are made holy. Made holy. Manufactured holy. We, we, we didn't do a thing about it. We cannot do a thing about it except yield to it. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, uh, 24 through 32, is all, it's, it's almost like the one in Second Peter chapter 1 where it declares something. It declares our holiness that we have in Jesus. And then it goes on to give instructions. And that you put on the new man. This new man is right over here. He was created according to God, according to God's standards, which is holiness, and true righteousness and holiness. Right there. There he is. He said, put him on. Okay. Put away. Now, here's the practical part of it. Put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry. Don't sin. Do, do not let the sun go down in your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. Rather, let him labor, working with his hand, which is good, that he may have something to give uh, to him that what is need. See, these, these are practical things. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He's in you. you he's in you. He, you can grieve him. He's, he's, he's in there to change you. He does, he does not want to be grieved. He's a total gentleman. By whom you were sealed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit in the day of redemption. For the day of redemption. Every one of us here that are believers are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Another revelation from the word of God that has to be real to us. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we can see, <coughs> we can see the practicality of all this. Now we might say, wait a minute. I'm going to walk out here today, and um, you know, I just heard that about holiness. I'm going to start believing that I'm holy. So the next thing you know, one of the kids does something, and you just totally lose it. Or your wife says something, and you just blast away at her. Or you do, it's just a thought. And, and that thought will say, that is not holiness. The thought that I just had is not a holy thought. We're all going to be encountered with that. We're encountered with the news that we are holy. But also now we have this other thing that we'll call a reality that says, uh, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's malice against someone. Maybe it's evil speaking. It's in your heart. It's in there. And you say, I, wait a minute. I'm abandoning this trip because I sense something else inside of me. Romans chapter 7 explains that very well. 
the writer, uh, uh, in, in, in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, it's no longer I who sin, but the sin that lies, lies in me. Another revelation we need is that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.17. We are new creatures. We are born again unto the Spirit of God, and his Spirit is in us, and his Spirit is like us, which is like God. That's a revelation that we need. And so all these other things, remember, you, you only have one nature now. I know some Bible translations say, well, we have, we have the sin nature. No, we don't have the sin nature. We have sin influencing us, trying to take, take uh, a threshold, trying to take advantage of us, trying to set us to sin. But you are now a new creature. You are born again by the Spirit of God. So you only have one nature, but you have two influences. And they are the influences that, that drive your life, if you will, or, or, or set your life on a course. The thing of you know, that, uh, that, that, that particular thing right there is no longer I who, you know, it's no longer I who sin, but the sin lies, that lies in me. That's a direct counter uh, statement in Galatians 2.20, whereas it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See the difference? That's what we've got to download. That's what we have to get the revelation of. I have a few more verses here I want to wrap up with. In 1 Peter 1.22, it says, Since you have purified your souls, how do you purify your souls? By obeying the truth. Through the Holy Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Anytime you want to, we want to check your walk, you know, your, your holiness walk, you have to get out your love meter. Make sure the batteries are up. How's my love meter today? Did I love that person I just talked to? Did I say a loving thing? Did I think a loving thought about that person? So we can always have, love gauges this holiness all the time. First John 3, 2, beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, or we shall see him as he is. That's a great statement. <clears throat> That's, when we, <clears throat> when we see him, <clears throat> We're going to see that we look like him all the time. Ah. He's going to find us and go, ah, you look like me. When he gets revealed, we're going to appear in the spirit like we have been all along, being followers of Jesus. Uh, Philippians 1 6, being confident in this very one thing that he has begun a good work and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There we go again, back to the Holy Spirit working inside of us. You're not alone on this thing. Once you, once you have confessed Christ as your, you're not alone. You're, you're in the workshop. You're, 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 his, you're, his, you're his good work right now. You're his workmanship. <clears throat> Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we continue to believe that we are not holy, 
That is self-evaluation. That's our evaluation. That's an incorrect evaluation. That's called self-righteousness. I'm going to judge myself on what I just did or said or am about to do. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are coming short of the grace of God that's in you. You are saying, I am going by my feelings, how I feel, what is happening around me, what people say about me, or what I even think about myself. And when we do that, that's self-righteousness. How many have been guilty of that? I've been terribly guilty of that. Terribly guilty of that. It just puts us, even though we're saved, going to be with Jesus forever, it just puts us, it puts us in a place where we just can't fight because we're evaluating ourselves wrong. We're not evaluating ourselves the way God wants us to evaluate ourselves as holy, his beloved creatures. Another note here was like holiness and healing. And I don't want you to get the wrong concept of this, that if I, if I stay holy, you know, all of us have had uh, illnesses and sicknesses and so on. But if I, if I just live a holy life, he'll heal me. Jesus healed all kinds of people. Uh, unholy, holy, demoniacs, well, uh, I shouldn't say holy at that time. The, the, his blood hadn't been shed, but don't base it on that. But here's what I'm saying. Holiness is a flow of the Holy Spirit. Holiness is what he is all about. And when we, when we follow that, when we, the only word I can come with is flow. When we flow with that, I think healing flows much, 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 much easier. I don't know how to explain that any better than that. It's just when we acknowledge that we're holy and, and, and you know, our bodies are belong to him. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to, you know, anyone that's ill here or sick, I'm not, no way am I putting you down because I, I've been in these places, I know, but. We can't, well, then I'm not holy enough. Is that right? No, no, not at all. No, just be thinking of all these things that we talked about here about the holiness of God in me. I'm actually holy. My body is holy. And start, just get in a realm of thinking like that. And just let the Holy Spirit flow. Let healing flow because of holiness. We need to start seeing ourselves as holy in Christ. <clears throat> I'm just going to wrap this up with our Isaiah 35. <clears throat> it says, The wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a wildflower. This has been a metaphor of quite a few things in the Bible, and they're a metaphor of when Jesus came to the earth. It was the metaphor when we would come into the millennium, when the church will be raptured out, and we come back with, the Lord comes back with his saints. That would be us. We're going to rule and reign on the earth for uh, a thousand years. 
and also it could mean the New Jerusalem. So, but the metaphor is beautiful. Isaiah wrote this, uh, chapter 35, 51. Chapter 31 is just about exactly. He's talking about things that are going to be restored. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a wildflower. It will blossom abundantly. It will also rejoice with joy and singing. Joy and singing always goes along with this. The, the glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. Those three places are the, on the Mediterranean coast, and they're beautiful places. They're, they're noted for their extraordinary beauty. Uh, their, their fertile land, uh, their mountains, their snow-capped mountains, uh, the beautiful plants that are, are, are planted there. And it says the glory of all those three are going to come to the desert. And they'll see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God, and strengthening the weak hands, the shaky knees, and, and, and say to the cowardly, be strong, do, uh, do not fear. Uh, here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's ret- retribution is coming. He will save you. And the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears uh, uh, of the deaf unstopped, and the lame will leap like, leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute will sing for joy, for water will gush in the wilderness and streams in, in the desert. Je- when Jesus came, that's exactly what happened. We've seen the blind eyes open. We've seen the uh, uh, ears of the deaf unstopped. We've seen the lame man that was healed, and he went leaping and, and joyful and uh, leaping and praising the Lord. And also, the fearful, uh, uh, the same thing, it takes care of that. It says, the water will gush in the wilderness. You know, in the Bible, when they talk about the wilderness, they're talking about basically a gravel pit. You know, sometimes we think wilderness, well, that's up north where all the bears and stuff are, you know, or something, or, you know, the wilderness in Africa, or lions and whatever, you know, lions and tigers and bears, lions and tigers and bears. Um, um, But... Actually, it's the wilderness. You know, there's nothing there. There's no water there. You might have a few jackals or snakes or something that like hot heat, no water. Uh, this is what he's talking about. The parched ground will become like a pool, bubbling up. When you get water, things grow. The thirsty land uh, will have springs in it. The jackals in their lairs or their, where they live, uh, instead, it's going to kick them out because all jackals do is look for something to eat. They're just carnivorous. Mm, forget the other word now, conivars, they're scavengers. Um, and in their place there will be grass, reeds, and papyrus, and all kinds of beautiful things growing. Now here's the point of all that, Isaiah 35. A road will be there, and a way, and it will be called the holy way. The unclean won't travel on it, but it will be for the one who walks the path. Fools will not wander on it. Only the holy are going to walk in that place. That would be us. That would be us if we're believers in Christ. Verse 9 says, There will be no lion there, and no vicious beast will go up on it. It will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk on it. The redeemed walk on this holy way. And the redeemed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing Crowned with unending joy, unending joy. You know, we search for joy all the time. The next verse talks about joy and gladness. We're, we're searching for that all the time. A, a better meal, a good meal, a good house, a good car. You know, I'd have joy if my kids did that or if they didn't do that. Or I'd, I'd have joy if, if on this vacation. Or I, I'd have joy if I got along with this person better, if that person was a nice person. We're always looking for joy. We're always looking for joy and gladness. 
We might find it in, in drugs or relationships or booze or something. But that ends. That ends here. This one here is crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee. That's going to be the end for the righteous. It's not an end. It's just the beginning. The holy way, the holy way, the way of righteousness is the way that we'll be walking on.